Appearances is a serialized show. So if you haven't already, go back to the prologue and start listening from there. At first, you know, I was a um, drum performance major. You know, I'd love to play the drums all my life. That's all I wanted to do. And um, one summer, I did a teaching opportunity, actually, at, at the very end of my sophomore year. And, you know, it was life-changing getting to connect with these students and really being a, a mentor and a, someone that brought them inspiration. And so because of that experience, my sophomore year, I decided to switch. My sophomore year, I decided to switch. My sophomore year, I decided to switch. I like that. Indecisive. Like me. Um, and what do you plan to do after college? Well, I'd like to teach kids. And it's the middle of the night. I'm online again. In a really deep rabbit hole. And being able to give that to them and give them happiness that maybe they don't see very often. After months of trying to narrow it down, weighing the pros and cons of ethnicity, height, hair color, eye color, college education, taste in music, places traveled to, I find that it's the person's voice that's most Man, important you know, to me. Growing up, it was always singing together. Everybody singing around the campfire. This guy goes by the moniker Ace of Hearts. And what do you value most in your life? I value love because I think the whole world is love. Ace of Hearts is five foot ten and 160 pounds. His fantasy lunch would be with Mahatma Gandhi and his favorite animal is panda. That was what was spending time with family. It was always, it was just perfect. I tried to pick Iranian sperm. I have problem waking up early in the morning. <laughs> um, that's, that's one of my issues. Um, but the website only gave me three options, and I didn't like any of their profiles. Um, recently I went with some friends, we went shooting in the mountains. Okay. It feels icky to custom design my potential future child on any level but it especially feels icky to custom design the race of my future child. That said, there seems to be no way around it. I have to choose someone as a sperm donor, and whoever they are, their ancestors will have come from someplace. I land back on Ace of Hearts, who's half Cuban and half El Salvadorian. Success to me means finding true happiness within yourself. I think when... You can wake up every morning. And I just like be happy Ace of Hearts. I so I down half a bottle of whiskey and I get good and drunk. Just kidding. I'm a lightweight. I take a few sips of whiskey, get good and drunk, and then I put in the order. I think that unless you've ever tried to have a baby, you haven't fully experienced how excruciating it can be to wait. I mean, I've waited in line at the DMV. I've literally watched a pot and waited for it to boil. But nothing, nothing in my life could prepare me for how I felt waiting days for my sperm to arrive in the mail. The closest analog I could think of was being an 11-year-old kid in the 90s with a dial-up modem desperate to get connected so I could go into AOL chat rooms and lie and say I was 13 and flirt with middle-aged men who were also lying and saying they were 13. 
but the modems back then were unreliable, and there was never any guarantee I'd get online. God, please. I would start to bargain with God. If you let me get online, I will listen to my parents. I will promise to be good. God, please, God. Please, 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 God. Hello? Yeah, this is UPS. Oh, uh, great. I'll be right down. The sperm arrives on a Tuesday in a white canister that looks like the gas you keep under your barbecue. I am not set to ovulate until the following Friday. I mark it on my calendar. Friday, April 21st. Insert sperm. As if I need to write it down. As if it's the kind of plan I might forget. Wake up one morning, check the old calendar. Up. Looks like today at 11 I have an appointment with myself to drastically change the course of my entire life to come and to force a fatherless human being into existence. Good thing I wrote it down. The morning of, I double check the app on my phone. It tells me I am indeed in quote, peak ovulation. As per the instructions in an online video I saw, I put on gloves before removing the sperm from the tank to protect my hands from the freezing cold carbon dioxide that will come shooting out. After I pull out the vial, I let it defrost for 15 minutes. In the meantime, I set up my sanctuary for conception. Two pillows against the wall with a mirror and a plant beside me for good luck. Before I lay down, I pee one last time as if I'm about to go on a big trip, which I am. Then, to get myself in the mood, I put on some fam. Feminist ambient music. I lay down and I grab my syringe. First, I put something called pre-seed inside myself. It's a special kind of lube that helps the sperm travel up to your cervix. I rub my clit, just a tiny bit. Being turned on is supposed to make your body more receptive to the sperm. I pick up the vial and put it in my armpit for five minutes to heat the sperm a bit more. Then I fill the syringe with the sperm and slowly put the syringe into my body. I can feel my heart beating in my chest. At this point, all I have to do is plunge. In one motion, excrete the sperm from its final plastic vessel into me, a warm human body. But first, I must bring myself to orgasm plunging the sperm at the exact moment of coming. But I am not turned on in the least. There is zero chance I am going to come. I pull the syringe, still full of sperm, out of myself. I let my legs drop to the floor, and I disassemble my stupid sanctuary. I'm over this fucking shit. All I can think about is my loneliness, and how this extremely unglamorous moment of me with two pillows under my butt, my legs up against the wall, is a preview of the next 18 years to follow. I start to cry. Angry tears. Bitter tears. Tears of, why me? 
I get up and I put my clothes back on and I start to pace. Don't do this, I say to myself. Do not second guess. That sperm cost a thousand dollars. You've already decided. There's no going back. You have to do this. You've got to do this. How? That's when I hear something. How? A voice. It's coming from inside of me. How? How come? How come? It asks me. How come you, the brute, always gets to decide what we do. The voice is confronting me. What if I'm not ready? You made all these plans. You told all your friends. You bought the sperm. You put it in your calendar. But what about me? You? Who are you that I should include you in my major life decisions? Don't you know? I'm the part of you that's gentle. I'm the part of you that's tender. I'm the part of you that's scared. All your life, you force me into uncomfortable situations. You force me to be public when I want to be private. You force me to wear eccentric outfits when I just want to blend in. You force me to rebel against my family when I just want their love. You force me into being this idea you have of somebody wild when true wildness is inherent. It cannot be willed. And now you're forcing me into single motherhood when I feel certain in my heart that I am not ready. You're right. I'm sorry. I am really, truly sorry. I really, really am. I did not mean to get us here. It just sort of happened. But don't we want this? Don't we want a kid? We want a kid in a way that feels thought through and safe. I need to know that you are listening to me, okay? I'm listening to you. I hear everything that you're saying. You're scared and you want to feel safe. What would make you feel safe? Help. I would feel safe if you got some help. 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 Okay. I'll get us some help.
I don't know why the fuck you're calling me. I'm sorry. I, um, I'm calling you because I'm in the middle of something really, really hard. You've ignored me for six months or something like that? Do you want me to hang up? What, you called me. I mean, this is hurtful for me. Why don't you tell me why you're calling? I have um, a turkey baster in my hand. It's not actually a turkey baster. It's, it's a syringe. Oh, my God. Yeah. You are doing it. Yeah, I, I have this um, vial of sperm, and I'm ovulating, so I... Huh. And I know that you're not my boyfriend anymore. I know that you're not... I know that you're not my anything, but I just... I just... I didn't know who, to, who else to ask. Is that okay? Okay, uh, fine, fair enough. Uh, this is just a second for me to wrap my head around this. So, you have the sample, you have the device, and you're trying to inseminate. Um, okay. So, what I was thinking we would do is, I'm lying on my back, I, ha I have the syringe, I was thinking maybe you could just say one, two, three, go. And then when you say go, I'll, I'll put it in. I'll, I'll plunge it. You want me to be here and do a count off? One, two, three, go. Yeah. Okay. Let me just ask, does this mean anything to you? Like in in your in the landscape of your soul, um, am I just a guy on the street who's going to, you know, hold your hand on a, on a phone call? What this means is I'm in a desperate situation and you're the only person I trust enough to ask for help. Okay. Um, sure, I'll do this. Okay, so it just just say one, two, three, go, and then I'll sh I'll shoot it up. Okay. Okay, so I'll give you a three count, and then we'll do it. So you're in position. You're loaded. You're ready. I'm lying on my back. I have the syringe. Okay. Here we go. <clears throat> one, two, three, go. <gasps> Um, 
hold the test by the thumb grip with the absorbent. Some women take their pregnancy tests as early as 10 DPO, 10 days past ovulation. But the internet says that that only sets you up for disappointment because a test taken at 10 DPO could give you a false negative or worse, a false positive. To be extra safe, I take my test on day 15. Please do whatever you think is right for me. I mean, I guess I know you already did it, and this is just the moment where I find out what you did, but um, just let it be the thing that's right. to protect me. I want to not be alone. I mean, I'm prepared to be alone, but I don't want to be alone in the spiritual sense. I don't want to feel lonely. I want to feel like the thing that I'm doing is in tune with the world. I want to feel like I will be okay. Oh my God. Oh my fucking God. You've just heard episode six of Appearances. This show was written, directed, and sound designed by Sharon Mashihi. The roles of Melanie and Little Voice were performed by Sharon Mashihi. The role of Ponch was performed by Thatcher Keats. The role of Ace of Hearts was performed by Alejandro Salazar. And the role of his interviewer was performed by Ariel Mejia. And the executive producer and editor is me, Caitlin Prest. Associate producer is Ariel Mejia. Mix engineer is Harry Nazan. Story consultant is Sunita Prasad. Associate producer of pre-production is Monique Laborde. Additional social media support from Natalie Prest. Graphic design by Homa Delvaroy. Special thanks in this episode to Paula Thompson, Zoe Rosenfeld, Jen Ng, Ali Pinel, Sasha Watson, Alvin Malaith, and all Mashihis, far and wide. Sharon wishes to thank the following organizations for their generous support. The New York State Council on the Arts, McDowell, the Ragdale Foundation, Union Docs, and IFP. This show is a production of Mermaid Palace, an audio arts company. 
If you want to see photos of Sharon Mashihi and her creative process, motivational poetry, and overall weirdo world, follow at Mermaid Palace Art. Thank you to Julie Shapiro and Audrey Mardovich. Next episode, Melanie goes to Shabbat. Before you know it, one or two good lucky deals, you're a millionaire. Use the henna. There's no damages to the follicles of the hair. Appearances is a proud member of Radiotopia. Radiotopia. Radiotopia.